This week on the Throncast, Leia arrives on Kashyyyk and immediately sees one of the Nogri. Luke is apprehended by Talon Card, and Mara Jade threatens to shoot him where he stands. Start planning the inevitable Jade Skywalker wedding. It's time for the Throncast. Governor Price, these rebels have proven particularly stubborn. How do you intend to solve this problem? I need someone who sees a bigger picture. The Empire is getting better at anticipating our moves. I underestimated the commander. The previous attacks were clumsy. But this one was swift. Precise. To defeat an enemy, you must know them. Not simply their battle tactics, but their history, philosophy, art. Grand Admiral Thrawn. Hello, and welcome to the Throncast. I'm your host, Nancy, and today we're discussing chapters 17 through 20 of Heir to the Empire. Joining me on this legendary journey are my co-hosts, Brian. Hello. Matthew. Hello. And Amanda. Hi. And uh, Tyler is not with us this week. We're hoping he will join us later. But um, this past weekend was New York Comic Con. And Timothy Zahn was one of the Star Wars authors in attendance. And he, of course, talked about the book Thrawn coming up in April. He didn't reveal anything new. So that... far away. I know. Every, so... time I, every time I get excited about it, I'm like... Oh, but that's like next year. Uh. It is, but we have we have <laughs> a whole other <nother> season. <laughs> we have two and a half more books to read till then, though, so it, it works out. What's the half? The rest of this book. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I thought you meant new ones that were oh, coming out. <laughs> no, no, sorry. Um, so he talked about the book and how it's a prequel to. Thrawn, or prequel to Thrawn's appearance in Rebels, which we already knew. I doubt we're going to learn anything new about Thrawn until much closer to the publishing. But he did talk about Thrawn on Rebels and specifically address the concerns about the characterization and how some fans are worried that they will not portray the character right. He said that um, he is not worried <laughs> about this at all and that um, he's seen some of the scripts for upcoming episodes and that they did a very good job with the character and they're not going to ruin him. So I, I mean, don't... on the one hand, he kind of has to say that. Well, see, but, this is but, a thing. But it's still comforting to hear. <laughs> it is. It's comforting. But I don't I don't, know. I don't I think like he, he has been to more say diplomatic. I, yeah, I think if, if he needed to be more diplomatic because he wasn't happy, he probably could have been. This actually sounds for Tim. For positive. Tim, it seems like a very positive thing because <laughs> yeah. I've been. Oh, totally no, I mean I. I it's just yeah. Yeah, I've yeah. been at cons where he has you know actually thrown shade on stuff. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so. Uh, so yeah, but that's it's very very cool, and I'm glad that he is happy with Thrawn, and he's so pleased by this whole endeavor, and it's it's fun to see. I hope I think uh, next week I think we're gonna get more of Thrawn. Um, yeah, I was gonna say I just hope he shows up again. And yeah, <laughs> I really like the season so far, but we need more Thrawn. Um, On the other hand, I do I do understand why they're they're holding him back. You know, you you want him to build him up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I I know he interacts with Hera, and since next week is a Hera-centric episode, I think it's either next week or the one after that um, he'll be featured in. So um, this past week on Rebels, we got an appearance of Wedge Antilles, and he's in this book, so yay! yay Wedge! Yay. <laughs> <laughs> um it was good. We liked it. We're going to talk about it on the podcast. We like Wedge around these parts. I never mind. <laughs> I don't I don't really I, care about Wedge one way or the other, but I like the episode. Get off. Get out. <laughs> I adore Wedge. When Wedge hurts, I hurt. 
Meanwhile, when I live Wedge over is, here where when we Wedge don't is, get rebels. When Wedge is standing on a landing platform holding flowers to we're, your heart. We're all standing oh. on a landing oh, platform holding flowers. <laughs> in my heart. Oh. It's not okay. Okay. So, moving on to our chapters, because... This is these are the chapters I've been waiting for. <laughs> actually, <laughs> actually, they're not because they that they we still no, have it, to get there, but we're getting it gets there. better. They meet, they meet, and and everything was wonderful. <laughs> I mean, kind of not for Luke. No, okay. Really. <laughs> so, so Mara and Mara is, seems pretty upset too. So it really wasn't wonderful <laughs> for anyone. <laughs> for me, it so was. Mara is like is is compelled internally to murder Luke Skywalker the way I am compelled to eat chili fries with cheese on them. And it's, it's not that hard to not eat chili fries when there are no chili fries. But then suddenly the chili fries are like right in front of you and only your boss says, no, no, don't eat the chili fries. Bring them to me. Like, that's going to be rough on her. That's a very good analogy. And now I want chili fries. Now I don't even like chili. Mm, chili fries. <laughs> oh, but first, uh, Luke is sadly stuck in the middle of goddamn nowhere, <laughs> like <laughs> literally. And I really like this scene because it's so easy in Star Wars to think of, you know, oh, you just jumped through hyperspace to another planet and it takes you two seconds. And then in this chapter does a really good job of portraying how helpless it must be to be stuck in hyperspace with no radio. <laughs> and it's yeah, like, I, I'm going to die, pretty much. I really like the scene, and it was actually a lot shorter than I remember it being because it's it's so well done, and it had such a significant place in my memory that I, I guess I inflated it in my mind. But yeah. he does a really good job of like portraying like the the sheer like desperation and loneliness of just being trapped you know like you said literally in the middle of nowhere yeah and uh and it's really good stuff yeah so he's stranded in the middle of nowhere but he f does figure out a way to fix the subspace radio um using some of the wiring in the ship and this is kind of a neat chapter because it goes into like the technical specs of the x-wing so yeah. the people who are really into that can kind of geek out um brian's waving his hand <laughs> and then, but it's not like super boring like fuel consumption rates in the x-wing series <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> um so he um, he lets R2 do the work because otherwise he'll use up all the oxygen and uh, life support and goes into a Jedi hibernation trance. And this is kind of the first time we've seen this. Um, it becomes a thing throughout the expanded universe, kind of very easy, you know, a neat thing for Jedi to be able to do when they need it. Um, so... Before he goes under, he kind of has another moment of hopelessness, but he keeps trying to tell himself to be positive that he can't despair because uh, that leads to the dark side and also death. <laughs> um, I was going to say more practically, it death. leads to him panicking and yeah. dying. <laughs> yes. Uh, but before he does that, he reaches out to Leia through the Force. And, uh, yay, the and Leia is twin so bonds. untrained and clueless that when she like gets his Force voicemail, she has no <laughs> idea that that's what it is. She just yeah. thinks it's like and indigestion. Well, it's also very <laughs> far away. Like, so she, like, kind she of, I mean, it like, woke her up. The dismiss button. Yeah, it wakes her up. So but... like I said, it's indigestion. <laughs> well, I mean, she's <laughs> yeah, pregnant. She's pregnant. So, um, yeah. The other thing is it this is that moment where like she wakes up and it describes the uh, the cabin on the Lady Luck as being cramped and I'm <laughs> yeah. like I find this out of character for Lando. I know, I thought the same thing. <laughs> I was like he would I I have it in my head canon that he probably installed like a king size bed and a steam shower on the Falcon when he had custody of it again like this is not a man who would want to be sleeping in cramped quarters. No. Yeah, I mean not to invoke his name but i imagine that lando's ship looks a lot like trump's penthouse uh, just like yeah. gold, yeah. gold, gold, gold everywhere but lando's classy though 
<laughs> oh, that's funny. So two little tidbits from this section that I thought were interesting. Um, if we want to do some more math. <laughs> uh, this didn't go I well this, last time. Apparently I 10 minutes. I put this a website this you time. Did. I didn't do the math myself. <laughs> so 10 minutes at 0.4 past light speed lets you travel approximately half a light year. Which, according to this <laughs> website I plugged the numbers into, <laughs> is a little more than 26,000 times the speed of light. That's 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 pretty fucking fast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I use my one F bomb because wow, that's fast. Which um, is why when Han says the Falcon will make point five, yeah, you're like, whoa, that's fast. You're like, or or he's lying because yeah. have well, you seen that ship? Mostly, he's lying. I mean, it is the fastest hunk of junk in the galaxy. But Han, when we meet that ship, we don't know that. We just think it's a regular hunk of junk. Han exaggerates well, yeah, no, the I, truth. No. <laughs> And I think in the script or something that, you know, it, it says that, you know, Han and or uh, Luke and, and Obi-Wan, like, look at each other like, you know, this is obviously a lie. Like, nothing is that fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I also thought it was neat during this chapter that while he's trying to, you know, calm himself, he um, thinks of uh, the Jedi code, which is uh, for, for a Jedi, there's no emotion, there's peace. And I think this was the first time when what we, it wasn't the Jedi code then, we didn't know, but later on we get that in other, you know, um, legends books and the reference material specifically. So I thought that was neat that this actually goes all the way far back. Um, then, uh, Leia arrives on Kashyyyk, um, in Lando's bed, apparently. <laughs> 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 he, he's a nice, he's a, you know, he's a, I don't think he'd mind, you know, he probably, you know, would, would like to dig in to Han that, you know, his wife slept in his bunk. <laughs> she spent the whole trip to Kashyyyk in my bunk. Yep. Yeah. That, that exchange I'm sure yeah, happened. It did. Of course. <laughs> Only to piss off Han, not to disrespect Leia. There's a difference. Exactly. Uh, so a Wookiee delegation is there to meet her, and to her amazement, she's able to understand one of the Wookiees named Rara because she he has a speech impediment. <laughs> and I thought that was brilliant. I thought it was really <laughs> clever, hilarious, ridiculous. It is ridiculous. It's completely ridiculous, but I really like Leia's line, line to Chewie. It's like, <laughs> don't tell me you've had a speech impediment all yeah. these years. and. Chewie just starts cracking up. Yeah. I like I like Chewie during this whole scene because he's, yeah, he's, very he's always the outsider. Um, but in here you get to see him in his element. I mean, in the yeah. many, many, many expanded universe books, this is one of the very, very few in which Chewie is actually written well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, shaking his fist at a moon isn't good writing? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> well, him Yeah. So Damn you, moon. <laughs> I also like um I'm not even gonna try to say the name. I it was really hard for me to spell Rook Rook. I mean look, I had no freaking clue how to pronounce it. Even pronouncing it Revenge of the Sith came out. Pronouncing Rook makes me sound like I am lisping or muttering or something. Or just making up nonsense yes. words like Timothy Zahn did. Yes. It's 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 terrible. Why would like, you name a city this? How many because consonants? you speak Shrewok and clearly that is easily pronounced by <laughs> Wookiees. How many, how many consonants can I fit in this in this? Well the thing name? is, like I mean, I understand in you know in Wookie, Kashik, and or no, Sherwook, that's the name of it. Sherwook. Um that, you know, there's a lot of errs and grrr, Brian, do it. Like that. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but, but, but when, when you're translating it to basic, use some different syllables. My God. Nancy, yeah, my dog really could racist. pronounce the name of the city. <laughs> I'm race- I can go wake him up and be like, Toggle, read that. Oh, <laughs> I'm racist against. I don't want to be racist against Wookiees. Oh. I don't want to be Tarkin. <laughs> okay, so Rara, who's really Rara Chin, um, he they show her how the city is held up by branches, and it's really super cool um, how this city is just built right into the trees and how big it is. And there's a neat little 
point when Leia is thinking about how big the landing platform is and how like a capital ship should have been able to land there. And then she realizes that the Empire probably built them when they enslaved the Wookiees so they could land on the planet. And she's like, maybe I shouldn't ask about that. And I'm like, yeah. that's why you're a politician, <laughs> Leia. Yeah, because Leia is a diplomat and yes. thinks about these things. She does. So while she's going through a tour of the city, which um, really emphasizes Peleon's uh, layer death trap description... <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> com- complete with vines and lift cars and all this stuff. Um, well, and she talks about how I mean, he, he meant it literally, apparently, because she talks about how like every like layer of fog or whatever, like below that, there's like an even more dangerous ecosystem, yeah. even more dangerous below that, and she doesn't even know if the Wookies have like made it to the surface. <laughs> yeah. Um. So she um as they're walking. She sees one of the gray aliens, which we know as the Nogri, in a window of one of the houses and predictably flips out. Um, (laughs) The Wookiees go into the house and basically tear it apart. They don't find anything there. Um, So, of course, she's, you know, wondering, am I crazy? But she's like, no, I saw it there. It must have gone under the city. Um... And so they say, well, we'll keep an eye out for it. Um, They're a little patronizing. <laughs> they are a little patronizing. Um, and they, but they also, sh- if something went under the city, it's in one of the layers of death. And yes. so, even if it was there, it's probably not going to be a problem anymore. <laughs> so she been handled. Yes. So she um, ends the chapter wondering if she'll ever be safe again. Very, and the answer is no. Very, <laughs> very dramatic, Leia. <laughs> 40, 40 years on, you're still not safe, You're Leia. still not safe. Never, never safe. Um, so this was, well, it wasn't our first depiction of Kashyyyk. Our first depiction of Kashyyyk we all know what that was from <laughs> the Star Wars holiday special. Which, which is totally canon. I have seen, unfortunately. We Thanks, watch it Brian. every year while we open our Christmas presents. Oh my god, it's that's a family terrible. tradition. Isn't so, like three hours I am long? still hungover from hours. watching that. And that was so, two years ago. Yeah, so fun story. Um, in 2013, uh, Brian decided it would be a fun idea if we watched the holiday special as a Tashi Station special recording. Um, and we did uh, while drinking. <laughs> and <laughs> I knew it was going to be bad. It was worse than I ever possibly no, imagined. Nothing can prepare you for how bad it actually it is, is. So bad, so Honestly, bad. Honestly, like the main reason I haven't sought it out isn't like just because it's bad or gonna bore me or whatever. It's like I know I'm gonna be cringing from like the secondhand embarrassment. It was very well, embarrassing. So you have to basically the way I can get through it once a year. Um, Drink. Here, here are my tips, everyone, for surviving the Star Wars holiday <laughs> special. Um, only watch the frame story. Anytime <laughs> any variety act appears on the stage, what do you don't want to watch Wookie porn, but you're that's, missing out on B. Arthur. That's cheating. Yeah, that that is either, cheating. Either either watch it or don't. Go all <laughs> in or not. None but of you're this. you're you're setting yourself up for Plus, Princess Leia's. Musical number. B. Arthur is the greatest. (laughs) B. Arthur is the only part of the show worth worth it. B. Arthur, she's great. Like Jefferson Airplane plays. It's so weird. It's weird. It's so weird. weird. But um, they meant well. They did, and (laughs) and actually, as on is really good guy getting Chewie home through an imperial blockade so he can celebrate this important holiday with his family, like. Had it not been made and it just been written up as like a short story, it would have been like, oh, Han Solo. Instead, it's like, oh, God, the holiday special. Yeah, I don't remember who pointed it out. It might have been one of you guys. But, uh, you know, after The Force Awakens came out and the, the new trio became a meme, like somebody was like, why don't they do another holiday special that with was these me. guys? Like, that it was would be amazing. <laughs> right? They c- and, Oscar and I can 100% sing. agree. <laughs> Oscar and Daisy can sing. John can dance. I mean, just... I'm sure he can sing too because he's you know brilliant. Um, right. yeah. He's everything. Seriously. <laughs> See, the, the worst thing about the holiday special is it's a crappy variety show, yeah. and I yes. guiltily love variety shows. 
Yeah. It's just I mean, do that do a good variety show. Yeah. yeah. No, yes. I mean they they really they really should do this. They, also, they how the hell redeem. did we <laughs> How the hell did we get here? Because Kashyyyk. we're talking about Kashyyyk. <laughs> and Life day. that actually the description of Kashyyyk in Heir to the Empire is very similar to what we see in the holiday special because that was the only reference that existed at the time. <laughs> All he had to go on. <laughs> so it's very similar. However, uh, not so much to what we see in Revenge of the Sith because there are Wookiees at the surface um, as we see through the storming of the beach. But I like to think that on the other side of the planet there's, you know, the Wookiees that have never reached the ground even though Chewbacca was at the other battle. But we're going to ignore that. Well, and that's just like Leia musing, you (laughs) know, isn't there? She doesn't know. She's a human. (laughs) I mean, there's a scene in one of the new canon where where Chewie's on the ground with this kid. I don't remember which book that was. Um, Did I imagine that? Maybe. Yeah, it was like it was like his kids like coming of age or something. Hmm. And oh, he had to go. Oh, was it Lin Lifetime? No. No, I, I mean I know life they're that, on Kashyyyk no, in, in life. life that Kashyyyk is like a withered wasteland of a former right. planet. The yeah, empire yeah, yeah. is murdered. Kashyyyk in life that is like really sad. I think you might be imagining uh, this, <laughs> or maybe you're maybe thinking of up. maybe you're thinking of uh, what's his name? Damn it! What's the name? Oh, oh shit. What's what's the what's the, his nephew's name? The Jedi. What's the Jedi's name? Not his nephew. Oh, the Jedi. Um, no, it's definitely Chewie. Lowie Lobaka, of course. I was oh. definitely it was definitely Chewie in this thing that what? I apparently invented. Lowie. Um, maybe was it in a comic? Maybe. I no, it was definitely prose. Uh, <laughs> I got nothing. We have gotten got nothing really far yeah, off track. I mean, I'm, I'm just, <laughs> I'm literally scrolling through a list of <laughs> canon media now, and I don't I don't know what it was, but um, yeah. this is kind of uh, okay off the topic. But yeah, no, I would I would assume that yeah, like the the beach, you know, part of Kashyyyk, obviously, it's like right there on the beach. They're yeah. they're on the the surface there, but yeah. like you know, you get further away from the beach, the trees get taller, and you know, it could still work. I um at one one time uh during the. Oh, it was five years ago because it was the 20, 20th anniversary of Heir to the Empire when they released the annotated edition. Uh, Tim Zahn had a book signing at Hollywood Studios that I went to. And beforehand, I went on Star Tours and I got the Kashyyyk and Coruscant segments, which I was like, this is very fitting for Timothy Zahn book signing because <laughs> it's the two planets he basically invented. Um Yes, Lobaka is Chewbacca's nephew, and he is a Jedi in the New Jedi Order. So he's awesome. That's your legends history, as among the other rest of the podcast. <laughs> oh, okay. Moving on to chapter eighteen. <laughs> oh, where were we? I don't know. Um, do we lose people? Do we lose everyone talking about Wookies and Jedi porn? No, I'm still here. Okay. <laughs> No, about to say you're just shocked into stunned silence. (laughs) All right, I I, no, I muted it because I was typing because I'm trying to find out what this mystery book that (laughs) I currently read was. Yes, let us know if you find it out. I'm scrolling through Chewie's page on Wikipedia. I'll I'll report back. Okay, we're gonna be here a while. So, uh, (laughs) chapter eighteen. R two wakes up, wakes Luke up from his hibernation trance, um, and Luke can can sort of tell how much time has passed and realizes that um something is wrong because it's not enough time has passed basically that Archie woke him up too fast. Um sure enough there's a ship overhead um and Luke again is like don't don't freak out don't freak out don't freak out. <laughs> um the radio is working thankfully um and the crew member identifies the ship as the wild card. <gasps> Oh no, we know which ship that is. Uh, they offer him assistance, um, and because he has nothing better to do at the time, he accepts it, uh, goes aboard the freighter, and meets 
the captain, Talon Card, um, who says that uh, one of his associates, Mara Jade, actually was the one who found Luke. Hmm, that might be something important from later on. What? Um, so Luke is sort of using the force during this time to try to figure out what's going on. There's some blank spots in the freighter that he attributes to, um, being in hibernation and, you know, still being kind of woozy. Um, but he what- didn't know. He didn't know. He's, he's got no idea what the heck is going on here. Um, so he reaches out and senses her and He's like, he's never felt such deep and intense hatred before. Not even from the emperor. Not even from the emperor. That's that's bad. So um, Luke is kind of like, uh, I've never met her before. And Card, because as we established early on in the podcast, has a boner for information. Now, Luke hasn't met her before, but he did come within 50 feet. Not, but he doesn't know that. He has no idea. And we don't know that. <laughs> yes. That Nobody is, knows that right that now. That is Spoilers. a ret, retcon. Retcon is the word you're looking for. We'll discuss this later, people. Uh, choices of one. Look it up. <laughs> so hey, I loved that book. Oh, I loved it, too. So um, Luke Card said his reaction to this is, oh, that's unfortunate. I was wondering why she hated you so much. <laughs> but now I'm gonna have to, I'm really sorry about what I have to do. And uh, someone walks up behind Luke, stuns him in the back, and as Luke is passing out, he's wondering how the hell they managed to sneak up on him. Uh, and he'll find out later. But we know what, what I love, we though, know what it is. I adore Luke. Being all, well, you could just let me go. I know, <laughs> and it's even, it's right. even, it's even better in the next chapter. Yes, every every time that he's like, well, I mean, you could just maybe drop me back off where I was, and I'll take my chances with the vacuum. Like, yeah, yeah. he's yeah, he's, he's precious. He's precious. Precious. You just want to pat his little blonde head. <laughs> uh, so Luke, first off is very surprised that Card recognizes who he is, at which I have to smack my forehead and be like, Luke, you are Luke Skywalker. (laughs) Person who killed the Emperor, according to the, well, that's what the galaxy thinks. (laughs) And yes, they're going to know who you are. Also, as Card points out, he's wearing a lightsaber. (laughs) Well, also... (laughs) They they happen to know he's got a thirty thousand credit reward on him. Yes. So I'm guessing his little wanted picture uh-huh. has been all over the place. And Card likes money. So Okay, but Luke didn't know, know that at the time, to be fair. I want I is there a if Luke, Luke doesn't know that he's wanted because he somebody got the intel out that he's the guy that destroyed the Death Star. I just then... I just Googled Luke Skywalker wanted pictures and there are not they are not good. And I'm like, come on, people. <laughs> you can give me a really good Luke wanted Luke Skywalker propaganda photo. Like, okay, seriously. somebody attached to Tashi Station has got to have the technology to do that. Seriously. <laughs> Come, on. Come on. I need this in my life. We really do. I think Saf is the only uh, Photoshop uh, <laughs> wizard we have. Someone. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm like a Photoshop, like, I don't know, apprentice. <laughs> <laughs> Saf, if you're listening. A Photoshop bard. <laughs> right, no, you know who we really need. Excellent coffee mugs. We need Heath. Heath needs to do it. So we just have to sucker him in to do a podcast with us. No, he needs to just create a wanna poster. Heath. Create a wanna poster. <laughs> um, Apparently so, you've been drafted, sir. Yes. Um speaking of Heath and Rogue Pajarin, <laughs> uh, I found Card's description very humorous. Uh, first, because he's described as slender, which is the word of choice with Star Wars descriptions, apparently. But uh, the full description is a slender man, thin faced, with short dark hair and pale blue eyes. Where the hell did his comic image come from? <laughs> I'm going yeah. to tweet a picture of Talon Card in picture, the comics. Because, because I know what I'm picturing. And I'm I mean, sure he's, Re- he's Reed Richards in the comics, basically. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it's it's and this is why the whole cat suit thing pisses me off because it's like this is not what, what card 
is supposed to look like. The the picture of him from the reader's companion is a little better, but he's still he's got this kind of mullet going on and it's just <laughs> and this weird cape thing. And it was the nineties. It's not good. It's not a good look. Um I do have to say I kind of have a I kind of think long haired car is kind of cute, especially in the picture of the uni- the cover Japanese cover of the Unifying Force. Yeah, it's a good one. All those Japanese NJO covers are so good. But if, yeah, if you haven't uh, looked at the Japanese cover of the Unifying Force, uh, Card is a uh, Silver Fox. <laughs> okay, I, fig- I figured out where that scene was from, and it's not canon. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I read it a long time ago. I don't know why it was, was sticking in my in my head so much. It was from the Black Fleet Crisis. Oh. Oh. Which is really a, a yeah. series best forgotten anyway. <laughs> yeah. Black Fleet Crisis. Uh, yeah. Like, like the bargain basement Yuzan Vong. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I wish... Anyway, mystery solved. <laughs> yes, that's very, very good. Why can't I just copy this image and tweet it? Maybe I can. Can I do that? We can do this after the show. No, I have to do it now. It's very important, Brian. Okay, but we're, the we're point, all sitting here refreshing Twitter on our phones. The point, picture. the point being, he's not what he looks like. Okay, chapter nineteen. It's very important. Oh my god, he looks like Craven the Hunter. <laughs> Who? <laughs> Craven the Hunter, Spider Man. I don't know what the hell just happened to my phone. <laughs> Stupid YouTube. Um, but yeah. Uh, who? What? <laughs> I don't you've know. Never, you've never heard of Craven the Hunter? No, explain it to me. He's a Spider-Man villain who looks oh. like uh, he looks like this picture of Talon Card. <laughs> okay. Here, I'll tweet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Talon Card is, is, is hot. Yeah, this is how I picture him. From the Not New Jedi Order? Ever. As Craven the Hunter? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> oh, okay. So yeah, um, chapter nineteen is a very important chapter in which uh, all of Nancy's dreams come true. <laughs> Luke wakes up with Mara. Luke wakes up <laughs> in the room with Mara Jade. <laughs> Ow. Okay, I'm done tweeting now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so he wakes up on Merker, which he doesn't know is Merker, and um, one of the first things he realizes that, well, he doesn't realize this first. He doesn't realize he can't fear the forest. First, he hears Mara's voice saying, finally awake, are you? Which <laughs> is the best first words because it's so condescending. <laughs> um, but, but cute. It is, yeah. Very. It's kind of adorable. So she she can call back to that like all throughout their relationship. Like if he sleeps late, she can be like, "Finally awake, are you?" And then he can do <laughs> it to her, like, "Finally awake, are you?" And she'll be like, "Yeah." It's, You've thought a lot dark. about this. I've written these fanfics, a lot of them. I don't think you realize how much. Okay, so, um, he is like. What's this voice? What am I hearing? It has to be a, a a recording or an intercom because I can't feel someone through the force. But no, she's sitting there in a chair staring at him with a blaster in her lap. And he's like, holy crap, I can't feel her through the force. I can't feel anything. Um... And um, this is the and also sm- wow, she's hot. <laughs> he doesn't think that. No, no. I mean, the description kind of thinks it for you. <laughs> yeah, but Luke does not think that because Luke is pure. He's a cinnamon roll, and also he is very confused. <laughs> <laughs> He's so- double confused because she's hot. <laughs> I do. I do like how smug she is, though. Yes. She's like, oh, you don't like the, the losing one, the one thing that made you special, huh? I know. This is when I hated her. I hated her so much. <laughs> so I loved her at this era. I loved her at this oh point. Oh, my God. Oh, she's fantastic. Yeah. She is, now, now she's great. But at the time, 12-year-old Nancy was very mad at the mean lady who wanted to hurt Luke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and see, 
See, 12-year-old Amanda was like, oh, I love it. A redheaded bitch. <laughs> Representation <laughs> matters. And, and 12-year-old Matthew honestly was like, ooh, a red-haired bitch. Hot. Hard ice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So, um... She threatens uh, this. This is okay. So there's a trope called a meet cute. I'm sure most of the listeners have heard of the meet cute, but if you haven't, it's basically where you love interest meet for the look really really cute. Yeah, and it's like insta love and so cute. And this is the opposite. Subverted hard. Yes, this is the opposite (laughs) of that. This is the. Maybe you like it back in your cell, your highness. I was just about to invoke that moment, actually. Well done. This is right up there with, huh, some rescue. The Skywalker (laughs) twins like they're smugglers, is all I have to say. I Uh, mean, like, joking aside, the scene is really well written. Like, you can, like, the the anger coming off of Mara is, like, palpable. And, like, you don't know where it's coming from or why yet. But, I mean, it's like, it's... It's it's visceral, like how much she hates him, and and Zon does a really good job of of communicating that. Yeah, and she, um, the thing I f- I found most surprising in this read is how short this chapter is, uh, and this this <laughs> scene specifically, because in my mind it's like the first meeting. It's like the stranded it's super in space important. scene for me. <laughs> yeah, it's super well, Nancy, important. In your mind, it's also like. 14 different fan fictions <laughs> <laughs> included in the chapter. No, 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 no. Those all happen later on in the book <laughs> during the missing scenes. <laughs> um, so uh, she threatens to kill him <laughs> like you do. Like, and like it's the times. best scene. <laughs> right? With the, the, the chili fries. I'm telling you. The best scene the end. I love it. It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> It's, there's nothing about this I don't like. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty fantastic. All right, that's the podcast, everyone. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Okay, but I will have to say, I do have to say, um, so there are many people who are big fans of Luke and Mara, like myself, Luke and Mara shippers, and uh, there are some who believe that Luke and Mara we're destined to be together from day one. And I was going to just make a really bad pun and I'll make it anyway. That it was written in the cards. Ha, ha, oh, ha, ha. Oh. <laughs> I didn't mean to. Even I wouldn't have touched that. <laughs> it wasn't supposed to be a pun. I realized it after I thought of it. <laughs> but that they like, oh, my God, look how much they loved. E- they loved each other from the beginning. And it's like, listen. I shipped them hard, but they did not love each other from the beginning. <laughs> Maybe you could argue chemistry, but I, not... I could say chemistry, definitely sexual tension, but there was no love oh. involved. No. I, I, oh, I no, think absolutely not. I think this was Mara a lot has more... some hate, and Luke has some fear and confusion. <laughs> I, the basis is what you would expect for Luke in a romantic situation <laughs> at this part in his character arc, let's be honest. I don't know if I'd call this shit. Know, has Zahn said, like, was was it his intention from the start to get them together? I, well, Brian, you go and then I'll. Well, I, I don't know if this was really shippy chemistry. I think it's much more faux yay chemistry. We'll explain that for that. That's a trope, faux yay. Oh, okay. Um, Look it up on TV tropes and I'm sorry, you've now lost no, the next six hours of your life. Don't. <laughs> so, um, okay. He has said that he created Mara to be a foil for Luke. You know, he wanted someone who was like Han and Leia, but for Luke. But he, she wasn't created to be the love interest. Um, she That obviously developed over time. And he has said, you know, by the end of the book or by the end of the series, you might see the beginnings of something, but there was never an, an intention to get them together in this series. That it just, it, it's too early, it can't happen. Oh, absolutely, after, yeah. After, you know, the reaction and people really liking her and people wanting them to be together, then he, you know, was basically like, I want to hook them up. And Delray <laughs> eventually said yes. But, 
he you know he said that she wasn't specific it wasn't like i'm going to give luke skywalker a love interest and that's ladies and gentlemen especially aspiring writers is why mara is such a good character who has stood the test of time because she wasn't created as just a love interest she was created as a person yeah i was gonna say when you create someone like specifically to be the main character's love interest you get like Iris on the Flash or Laurel on or Arrow. It's like they they're there and they don't know what to do with them and they're yeah. just terrible characters. Or Callista. Yeah, it's it's not good. I Oh god. <laughs> yeah. And what that's one of the things I like about the X-Wing series is even though you know mo- most of the female characters unfortunately in that series are love interests but they're really well developed and you know, yeah. Um, you know, Mirax is Corrin's love interest, but he does a good job of developing her as an individual besides that. So writerly note, it's important. <laughs> so, uh, Mara takes Luke to meet card. Um, and Luke tries to negotiate his surrender and it's very cute because he does more of the whole, well, uh, you can just bring me back to where I was. And, He's like, and you, you'll, I'll take my chances with everyone. And Card says, even the Imperials. And he's like, yep, even the Imperials. <laughs> uh, Card doesn't want to bring him back because he's kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place, which I think is the alternate title for this this uh, series. Talon Card stuck between a rock and a hard place. <laughs> um. So yeah. Um. This scene, you know, it's, 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 again, it's, sh- it's shorter. Um, it's very efficient. Uh, Zahn is a very efficient writer. I can, as I'm reading this book, I'm like, oh, this is why I do the things I do when I write, because I read these books at a formative time in my life. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but like, there are details in this scene that like pay off in like major subplots later on there that have are. nothing to do with any anything that's going on here i forgot about i forgot about that uh (laughs) that specific one and i was like Like it's just it's one line and i'm like Mm -hmm. he's on you magnificent bastard (laughs) he's yeah he's good we're gonna we'll we'll come back to that one yeah later but um a little star beside it (laughs) i do want to know what the hella frothly style haircut is (laughs) like i'm i'm picturing it like just the 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 way the word sounds like, you know, like Wesley Crusher's like magnificent bouffant like that, <laughs> that, like that, but like twice as high and twice as like crusty. Shut up, Wesley. <laughs> oh, um, I love Wesley. Yeah. So um, also, I love the fact that when Mara is taking Luke back to where he is being captured, he um. You know, he's kind of looking around, trying to figure out if there's a way he can get out. Mara's like, don't even think about it, bucko. <laughs> um, and then she's, she goes, he says, I don't know why you dislike me so much. <laughs> like, I love the way he says it, too, because he's like, he knows he's handling a live grenade and he says it like as cautiously as he can. He's like, I don't know why you dislike me well, so much, but is, and then this is just... Luke. He's like, other than <laughs> than sworn enemies, like other than, you know, Vader and the Emperor, like he's never met anybody who actively disliked him before. Well, and he's, he's never so met sweet. this woman he's before. So precious. Too. You know, he has no idea who this woman is. So obviously he's like Super confused. Yeah, it's like people like me. Gosh darn it! And- <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know why. I don't know why this makes me laugh so much because I I read it all the time and I'm just like, it's just such a good Luke line. <laughs> and like, but again, I really like Mara's response because I mean, it just she's just like shut up, you know, because shut it's, up. She's just, just shut like, up. We're- She's brimming over Brian, with anger. She, she's like, if you keep talking, I will not be able to resist the urge to shoot you in the face, basically. Yeah. Well, I mean, basically. earlier in earlier in the chapter, she, you know, gives him like she's like, What are the options? And she's like, There's also a third. You try to escape and I shoot you where you stand. <laughs> and <it's> like, <laughs> He's yeah. like deer in headlights. <laughs> yeah. Brian, Brian, can we can we 
act role play act this out i don't know why you dislike me so much shut up just shut up <laughs> i don't know if she was yelling it but all right <laughs> oh yes yeah, i never heard it as being that strident okay I heard it as, let's do it like, again let's do it again i don't know why you dislike me so much shut up just shut up there you go ah! <laughs> that tone that tone exactly took but faster, more intense yep very good <laughs> i'm a director <laughs> Um, I also most needed to say faster, more intense. I also, (laughs) I also thought this was cute. Um, considering Luke Skywalker grew up in the desert, that he read stories about rooms with big trees (laughs) while he was growing up on Tatooine. Luke is the only person who could be scared of a tree. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, I mean, the dark side cave was. I was going to say the only the first tree I went on. Honestly, like that it's a weird like aside that like doesn't really go anywhere. And like I've often wondered like why like Zahn felt the need to like put that in. Like not just like Luke's, you know, farm boy desert amazement at seeing a tree, but like this thing about like it being a layer of evil. And it's like, it's not really a layer of evil. And that really tree. never pays off anywhere. Yeah. I guess it's, Take I guess him it's a to Kashyyyk and see what happens. With yeah. The <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we could have to breathe into a paper bag. So, um, we move on into chapter 20, um, where, uh, we move away from Merker, sadly, um, but Back to boring old Han and Lando. We do. Oh, but, but things happen that I cannot wait to talk about. The scene is <laughs> uh, the scene is actually one of my favorites with them. Um, it's a very very good okay. Han and Lando scene. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so Han and Leia, in air quotes, are reporting to Winter, but of course Winter figures out right away that Leia isn't really there and that because this is a ruse. Because Winter's not. Dumb. <laughs> yes. Well, and because you know when it's your BFF and when it's not. Yeah, it's like it's like it's like you know, blink, blink once if you're okay. <laughs> um, so they they end up talking in some weird code about Felia and Akbar and the Empire. Um, and it makes Han so- think that maybe they should go back and pick up Leia and go back to Coruscant because things are not going well in the New Republic. I like to think that their uh, secret code name for failure is Shag Carpet. <laughs> what? So much I racism this episode. <laughs> Jeez. Walking carpet, shag carpet. Ah. Chili fries and shag carpet. I'm That's sorry, fur- furry people. <laughs> um. <laughs> I didn't mean it that way. <laughs> No, furry people, please don't listen to the podcast. It only took us, it it actually took us five whole episodes before we flew off the rails. We were good for five episodes. I'm so proud of us. It was the Luke and Mara episode, okay? It's it's all the sexual tension. It's too much. (laughs) Okay, so... um, First, they have to go to Abrogado Ray, which I really like the name of that planet. <laughs> it's very because you can say it. <laughs> yes, but it's also very Star Warsy. Abrogado Ray. Um, they arrive at the spaceport because uh, they have a meeting with a contact, um, trying to find good old Talon Card. Uh, but of course, the meeting doesn't go as well as planned. Um, okay. It's over a sabak table, um, but there's wonderful things that happen right now. There are. I will step I must, aside. I must address some of them and let Amanda uh, discuss this chapter. Wonderful things. Um, first off, this is where we get the information on what it was that Lando was so mad at Han about. Mm-hmm. That this is when we find out how Han acquired the Falcon, and in that conversation. Um, Han's like, well, it's a good thing I did or else the Falcon wouldn't have been at the Battle of Yavin and Death Star, blah, blah, the world would have been ended. And Lando's like, ah, maybe not, you know, with people like Leia in charge and Han just shuts him down. He's like, Leia would have been dead. And they have this conversation about how Han is concerned about Leia. Mm -hmm. And men talking about feelings is not a thing we get a lot in sci-fi. Nope. It's not really a thing we get a lot in 
books in general. I think John Ringo's head just blew up. (laughs) As as a feminist consumer of literature, this is one of my favorite conversations in the whole book. In fact, maybe in the whole series, because it's these two guys talking about their concerns about someone they care about. And that's a big deal for every 13-year-old boy who read this book and saw badass Han Solo and smooth as Silk Lando Calrissian talking about someone they cared about like that. Yeah. Because that's, that's not something a lot of teenage boys get to read. And it's not just that, you know, Han, Han obviously is worried about Leia because she's his wife. But, you know, Lando is not related to Leia. You know, yes, he's very good friends with Han. Uh, therefore, you know, that he has a loyalty to Leia. But he also, you know, respects her and likes her outside of that. Uh, so the fact that, you know, a, a a male character is concerned with a female character as something not a sex object uh, is is very... It's refreshing. It is refreshing. And, it's and then like also, is- um, you know, spoiler alert here, um, Luke Skywalker and Mara Jade eventually hook up. What? Um, they they eventually get married and fall in love, and some people would say in that order. Um, <laughs> and, and once that happens, the Han and Leia relationship becomes the old married couple that nobody bothers with a lot of the time. Yeah. Their relationship was really horribly mistreated for a lot of the EU. So I like that Han has his little moment of Leia would have been dead, and I didn't. I would never have known what I have missed. And like it's it's a sweet moment there too because this relationship uh, doesn't get a lot of attention later on. So segue into some expanded universe history. Um, the last book in the Bantam Del or Bantam Spectre contract before it got moved over to Delray um, fell through. So uh, the publisher moved to Aaron Alston and said, "We've got one book left. Do you want to write it?" He came up with two ideas for a book. One was what ultimately was Starfighters of Adamar. The second book was a book all about how Han Solo came to terms with being the lesser personality in the relationship and really having married way above it, way out of his league. <laughs> Which is that would have been amazing. <laughs> basically a continuation of Solo Command. Basically. Yeah. Because he did marry out of his league, but it's not a bad thing. No. It- and, like, one of the things that I really like about the scene is that Han's worried about Leia, of course, but, like, it's not because, like, she's a woman. Like, this isn't Jesse no. Custer and Preacher. Like, it's it, – he's he's worried about her because he cares about her. Like, he kn- – but he knows that she can take care of herself. It's just right. that, it's just that these are like really she is well in a lot of danger, happens. you know? <laughs> I also like that, you know, yes, she's pregnant and that is why these people are after her um, and – obviously a big source of Han's worry, but it's never portrayed as she's pregnant and now helpless and we can't let her make a decision. Um, we have to to make decisions for her. Um, yeah, nobody you know, says you can't go to Kashyyyk because you're pregnant and you might fall over and, and kill yourself and the baby, you know, yeah. in the layered death trap. You know, they don't want her to go to Kashyyyk because it's a layered death trap, yeah. you know, but right. like... It's not because she's clumsy or hormonal or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. It's, and they're they're concerned about her vis-a-vis the Nogari, not because she's not a perfectly capable person, a perfectly capable pilot or markswoman, but in fact, they're really, really well-trained assassins. Yeah. And, yeah. and you would be concerned about anyone with assassins yeah, facing them. even Luke you'd be concerned about. <laughs> and I mean, right? I think that the previous chapter, like, shows that, like, you know, the Nogri, like, vanishes under the city and the, the Wookiees are like, well, like, that's that's ridiculous. He would be dead. But, like, we know even by this point that the Nogri are, like, seriously capable and that, no, he's probably fine under the city. He's yeah. probably crawling under there like Spider-Man. Also, the right, f- he had some chili fries down there. <laughs> <laughs> also, the fact that um, they've, you know, Han has been wanting Leia to learn to use the Force to defend herself is a big deal because he's like, I'm not going to be able to defend you all the time. You need to defend yourself. Um, you know, and other people can't defend you either. And it's it's very empowering, especially for a pregnant woman, uh, because they are very push- often pushed to the wayside <laughs> in these books. Um, or in in books in general. Um, in yeah, Han is just like, you need, pregnant Leia gets to have 
some pregnant Leia events. is very important in these books. <laughs> yeah, and Han is just like, you need to rock the lightsaber so that you're as freaking invincible as your freaky wizard brother. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, um, I I appreciate their relationship in this book and how it's portrayed. I think a lot of a lot of this has to go with um Tim Zahn specifically. Um if you ever have been to a con and had the pleasure of meeting his wife, uh you will see that she is an awesome lady. <laughs> so I can see him being like, well, yeah, I just did what I wrote what happened with my wife was pregnant with our kid. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, yeah I mean, this is how, this when is I was how pregnant, Mary I was still, you know, reffing roller derby and yeah. like, damn. <laughs> I didn't you, stop skating for like the longest. You just, you do what right. you do. Like you're still you only pregnant and, and Leia's still being herself. And, you know, Han and Leia genuinely like each other and have a good relationship, which, you know, a lot of, you know, romantic pairings in fiction don't have so it's nice to see that um can we also talk about lando ordering a bottle of expensive wine on the new republic's (laughs) expense account (laughs) because of course he would i thought that was a delightful touch (laughs) of course he would because he's lando so the the actual plot of this chapter is very funny they are they're they would go to this cantina to meet a contact. Uh, they identify the contact as playing Sabak, and they're they think that his ship is being impounded right now. So they're like, we need to go try to you know give him the heads up and try to get him out because then he'll be in debt to us. So they go and they play Sabak, and it ends up going really really badly. <laughs> Um, where Han is accused of cheating and Lando kind of slips out with the contact whose name is Torf. Um, and, and it's just like exactly how you think a hand of Sabacc with Han and Lando would go. <laughs> um, and uh, so Han ends up, you know, leaving. They, they let him go goes back to the ship and Lando is there with Torv. They have a conversation about and you know thanking them for getting him out and you know I'm in your debt. What can I do? Of course Han's like we need you to take you to us to your boss and he's like well he doesn't want people going to his base and Han's like well how are you gonna get out of here? Ha. <laughs> <laughs> um, so finally uh, they convince Torv to um, give them the coordinates to card space. They'll erase them after the fact. Um, and he can't guarantee that card will talk to them for that long, but he'll do what he can. Um, but wait, Luke is currently at Talon Card's base. <gasps> Whatever will happen when Han and Lando <gasps> arrive? Plot. Shenanigans. Plot will indeed happen. Dun, there, dun, there will be some plot. Plot will happen. Okay. Um so um I I I wanted to talk about the whole dynamic with Han and Lando. Um and also Tor- you can you can throw Torv into the mesh cuz he's, you know, a, I guess an acquaintance of theirs. But um there's been a lot of talk in the media lately about um what men discuss in private <sighs> about women. And I would just like to say that it's very refreshing to read a book in which men are hanging out together and being bros, like super bros. Like no <laughs> one would deny that Han Solo and Lando Carrozian are not like manly men, heroic. They they're being bro characters. They they are brotastic. And what do they do when they get together? They don't degrade women. They don't talk about how they're going to do really awful things to how domesticated house cats. <laughs> they say that they're they play sabak and they drink expensive liquor on their government's tab and talk about <laughs> their feelings. Yes, That's I mean right. clearly, clearly they're beta cucks. Oh. <laughs> 
Well, that's what people would think. But <laughs> but no. Like And we just lost the red pill segment so long don't let the <laughs> door hit your ass on oh, the way out. Please, like we're really we sure we lost them already. <laughs> please, Brian. Yeah. So um No, it's true. Guys can be guys without being misogynist jerks. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> yeah, and I love I love scenes like this, like when guys are being guys, and I love like the few scenes when Han and Luke are hanging out. I love I love when they're I love their dynamic. Um you know, you don't have to be gross to to be bros. <laughs> it's true. You know, it's not like women get together and all we start talking about is makeup and, you know, boys. Yeah. You, you don't. No. You talk about your periods, right? We do. We talk about our periods. We <laughs> like, talk about how awful they are and how it feels like someone is tearing out our uterus. I thought it was like a wonderful sisterhood of something. No. I don't Pain know. and suffering. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, obviously. Uh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um... That was an interesting note to end on. <laughs> I'm sorry. Did I derail the podcast? It has I'm been sorry. on my mind. Blame the blame Donald Trump. <laughs> uh, twice we mentioned him. What's the matter with us? Uh, so I, I'm sorry. Here on this show, he's called Grand or uh, Higher Grand Moth Man Tweet Man Tweet <laughs> Okay, so um, yeah, go around the horn. Final thoughts. Brian. Luke and Mara sitting in a tree. P-U-N-C-H-I-N-G. One of them in particular. <laughs> That's in the next episode. Next episode. It's coming, though. Yeah. <laughs> 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 That's Moving what she on. Said. Yeah. <laughs> Matthew. <laughs> I don't know. Um <laughs> It's, it's good stuff. I I I enjoy Luke and Mara. I enjoy Han and Lando. Um, I enjoy the ludicrousy of Sabak. Um, you, you can't tell me that Zahn isn't just like making shit up that he actually knew how you play Sabak. Um, it's Calvin Ball, but with cards. Basically, there yeah. actually is like a deck that they were giving out at Celebration, and I really want to find someone who has one of these and play it. I mean, like, I'm sure by like now, Bisbin like, somebody has come up with rules. Yeah. I mean, somebody told me that, like, you can learn to play Sabacc from the Lando Calrissian books, which I have never tested. But, uh, I mean, whatever. Anyway, um, <laughs> it's good stuff. That's, that's our next our next video podcast. We will all sit around at Celebration play, and try to learn to <laughs> play Sabacc. Excellent. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I enjoyed these chapters. They, um, you know, Zahn's love of plot contrivances continues as, you know, they're just happening to go to card space at the same time as Luke and blah, blah, blah. But uh, I don't care because it's all really well written and it's exciting and the characterization is great. And uh, yeah, good stuff. Brian. You already asked oh. me. <laughs> Amanda. <laughs> Amanda, you're now my husband. <laughs> I hope you don't mind. <laughs> Excellent. I accept. It's took um, a turn. I, I, I like that the, the plot is advancing. I like that we're about to reassemble the party. That usually means it's almost time to roll initiative. Um, <laughs> that's, that's getting a little, uh, a little thrilling. And um, yeah, I look forward to, to getting everybody back together and, and seeing what's in store for Luke and Mara to see if he ever finds out why she dislikes him so much. I wonder um, if we'll find out. He's just and, a mean lady. <laughs> and I do. I, it's true. And I, I'm, I'm really enjoying. Um, yeah, it, it is. It is a little contrived if you are willing to look at it that way. But I, I sort of appreciate the the reasons and motivations and excuses Zahn has given us where in the vastness of space, our heroes are all being drawn to the same places at the same times. Um, Luke would probably say it was the force. <laughs> um, but I'm going to say that it is a literary necessity because to have a book about a bunch of characters, they do have to interact at some point. Han would say that's not how the force works, but uh, but yeah, I agree with you. It's it's contrived. I say it's contrived, but I mean it's it's it doesn't bother me. Like it's fine. Like it, it's an awful. I'm, it's a I'm necessary okay contrivance, it. yeah. and it's not. And, and it's, it's nothing. Not a, and he does a good job of 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 
justifying it. And it became a blueprint for a lot of the other EU books. If you think about it, everyone's sort of together at the beginning, then you split the party, and then at some point, the crux of the matter brings them all back together. Oh, yeah. That that happens a lot. That's absolutely the formula. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it is contrived, but it's not more than the original Star Wars movies, so. Oh, God, no. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. Um, So, yeah. Thank you all so much for joining us on this very giggly off the rails episode of the Throne Cast. <laughs> I still want off chili fries. <laughs> uh, we are a Tashi Station podcast, and this episode has been brought to you in part by Her Universe and you, our Patreon subscribers. You can find us all on Twitter with the handles Tashi underscore Station. That's the show account. Nancy Pants, it's Nancy with an I. Lane Winry, that's L-A-N-E-W-I-N-R-E-E. M.R. Bowers, Manda the Ginger, and Cyberpunk Warlock, that's Warlock with a K. You can find all our columns and news at Tashi-Station.net. Tune in next week for our discussion of chapters 21 through 24, when all hell breaks out on Merker. Bye! So long. Bye!